1: I started doing um, martial art, uh, Brazil, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yep. And I was at, uh, taking classes for the better part of a month. And no one ever once said my name. And I was really, I, I was kind of into it. I bought the whole gi and, mm-hmm. you know, had the unlimited membership. And I left. Yeah. I was like, nobody... Nobody seems to care. No one. That's yeah. Ugh, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Using someone's name is saying you care. So when you say, big guy, what's up, chief? You know, how you doing, what's up girl, like what you're saying is you're just not important enough to remember your name. So as you said, it's a way to build relationships, a way to build trust. What you're doing is every single time you say someone's name, you're putting a little deposit in that person's emotional bank account. What confidence is has nothing to do with winning or the leaderboard. What confidence is, is knowing that you giving your best efforts is enough.
2: All right, hello, sir. Hey, Patrick. Um, today we are going to talk about uh, life inside of a gym. Yeah, you know very well. Um, specifically, I I wanted to um, sort of collect a bunch of ideas that I've heard you say that we've talked about sometimes in the podcast, sometimes not, um, related to what it means to be a leader inside of your gym or inside of your affiliate. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these things. Transcended gyms, and it could be how to how to sort of lead from the front in whatever business you happen to be running. Um, but obviously, given that you run a gym, we're gonna we're gonna stay there and and um, see where we go from there. So um, I've collected I think nine or ten little things that we've talked about in bits and pieces. So uh, I'll present them and then let you sort of mm-hmm. uh, dive into them however deeply you want to dive into them. Um, so the first thing that I've heard you say and that I've seen you do is uh, taking your own classes. Uh, and sort of in, inherent in that in, is is following your own programming or following the programming of the gym. Um, so why is that important and, and why do some gym owners not do that? what would what would be their reasoning?
1: That's a really good question actually. Why don't they do that? Yeah. so to me, the reason to do it is because you believe in your own programming. So if you don't believe in your own programming, you're gonna follow somebody else's. It's essentially that's the way I kind of look at it, right? Okay. If you believe that your program is to produce the results that you are intending to produce and that you want to do, you should be following your own programming. To me, this is kind of like at the baseline level, you know, leading from the front, and you know, um, it's I think it's really hard to ask your members to do something that you don't do. Mm-hmm. So I have members, I have affiliate owners, ask me all the time. You know, they have a situation where a. A member comes up to them and they're like, or they see a member following somebody else's programming. And they ask me, how do I have that difficult conversation of, you know, telling that person that they either can or that they shouldn't or that I want them to follow my jam or that, you know, it's disruptive. And I'll ask them, it's like, do you take, do you follow your own programming and do you take your own classes? If the answer is no, it's like, well, then how are you expecting them to, why would you you hold them to a different standard than you're holding yourself? If you're saying that something else is better for you, then shouldn't... They'd be doing that as well. This goes back, it goes back to when I was a personal trainer. And I saw it all the time, is that personal trainers would give their clients different workouts than they would do themselves. Hmm. And the clients would see them in the gym, they'd have them do something like standing on a BOSU ball and doing these weird, funky things. Yet when they worked out, it was bench press and, you know, weighted lunges and burpees and like kind of fun, sexy stuff. And I totally get it. There is the right stimulus for the right person, the specific needs. Mm -hmm. But those are like little accessory things here or there on the side or adjustments to stimulus or scale or intensities or loading or movement specific based off range of motion or abilities or anything else. The big thing, the macro thing, the programming, you know, today we're doing rowing and thrusters. What are you doing? It's like a, it's like a, restaurant owner that doesn't eat his own food. Mm. If you're not e- taking your own classes, if you're not in class getting coached by one of your coaches, you're not taking your own product. What you're saying is my product that I give you is not good enough for me. I'm going to go elsewhere for it. Mm-hmm. Talk about leading from the front. I mean, it seems like pretty obvious that you would want to consume your own product. Right. If you were making clothes, you'd want to wear the clothes that you're making. Right. If, you yeah, were, felt yeah, if you were... Yeah, if you were... Imagine if you were... Um, a pilot on an airline but you never flew your airline you'd only fly other airlines like what you kind of be like <laughs> yeah. whoa like what's the deal like yeah. maybe i should be flying that other airline mm-hmm. so that's yep. my take on that cool um second one move well yeah okay that's it move well yeah um it has to do with the the movement in the gym and yeah. the techniques and um and the um attention to detail of your form and what you see a lot of times is um, gym owners trying to chase the leaderboard and stay the fittest person in the gym and try to go the fastest times and make sure that they beat everyone else and they'll take every available shortcut. And because of that, they don't move well. And then when they go and try and coach their athletes to move well, there's again, it's what Chuck ball like- Chuck Carswell calls Mm -hmm. like street cred. Mm, Yeah. You've lost your street cred. Like, dude, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. You're telling me to like slow it down, listen to you, like make sure you get full extension on your burpees and make sure you get depth on your air squats. But I've seen you work out, dude. Like, that's not what you do. Why are you holding me to a different standard? Is it because you want to beat me in the workout? And that's, I mean, it's gonna erode the credibility of you as a coach. If you don't move well yourself. I'm not saying you have to have the, you don't have to move like Chris Spieler or like my wife or something like that. You, you have to, but you have to pay attention and try to move well, not at the expense of other things. It's the, it's at the tenants in the heart of what we preach in CrossFit, which is mechanics, consistency, then, and only then relative intensity. Mm -hmm. So first piece of that is move well, mechanics, Mm -hmm. have the right technique and form so that when you then turn around and try to coach someone else on that, you have that level of credibility. Right,
2: right. Uh, next one is, uh, feel similar to that, but maybe a little bit, um, outside of the gym, which is eat clean. Um, this one's interesting <laughs> to me because I would imagine most athletes don't see you eating from the gym. I mean, maybe they do. Cause that's actually, so
1: that's why I kind of chuckled there for a second. Mm-hmm. You just said mostly outside the gym. Um, the, one of the big reasons that I, I kind of harp on this is because people, we do eat in the gym. Mm-hmm. We eat, I eat every 10 meals or more, 10 meals a week or more in the yep. gym. Yep. So at, my athletes and my coaches do see me eating a lot. Um, back in the day before I probably held the standards I did and um, clarified the expectations the way I do now, um, there's a story of one of our coaches actually I have a pizza delivered to the gym. <laughs> and it sat on the front desk as he ate it. And when I came in, I'd even ask Whose yep. it was or anything yep. i just threw it in the trash yep. um probably not the best leader <laughs> role as a leader and <laughs> yep. we're talking about leadership i was not developed as enough of a leader i should have a, a heart-to-heart and yep. a real conversation about the why's and the what's in the house mm-hmm. um but i want to send a message um It's we are asking our members to make incredible sacrifices and have operate with a really high level of discipline. If we cannot do that ourselves, how do we expect them to operate with that level of discipline? Mm -hmm. If we're saying, say no to the cookie jar, if we're saying, walk by the bowl of hard candy at the office, if we're saying, you know, when you go to Susie's birthday, you know, at cubicle number 34, you don't have a piece of cake, like we can't be doing that. Now, if you go out with your buddies and every now and then you go to, Um, a concert or a ball game and you get a drink and a burger like totally cool i get that you want to live your life Mm -hmm. but inside the walls of the gym like holy cow like that's the last place that's why like we are i do not i am really push hard when other members bring in treats for other members on their birthdays like i'm so against that because not because i don't want people to have a good time and not because i don't want people to feel good about like giving and celebrating all that but because there are people in this gym. You don't know who they are who are struggling so hard 18 hours a day saying no to sugar or alcohol or whatever it might be. To you then put that in front of their face inside the gym which is supposed to be their sanctuary, yeah. the one place in the world where they don't get tempted. It's like you know, bring a six-pack to an alcoholics anonymous party. Right. It's right. like it's just it doesn't seem the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. In terms of leading from the front, do the hard things. Do the hard things so your members see that you can do it. You don't have to be perfect, but eating clean seems like a, such an obvious one for a gym owner to, mm-hmm. you know, especially for us that talk so much about nutrition. Right. We say we are a nutrition gym that happens to do thrusters and pull-ups. If that's the case and we don't follow up on that, um, it's no mystery that all of our coaches that come here don't do competitor level training. They do the regular classes, yet all of when they come here all of them lean out, mm-hmm. like incredibly so. Like I can tell a story from about every single person, how much they've yep. lost. Morgan, Dan, Christine, like each one of those have lost 15 to 20 pounds. When you didn't think that they had that necessarily. Well, it's just like they're they're, they're CrossFit coaches coming yeah. from other gyms. Yeah. They're fit, they're doing their thing. And then they start to eat well while they're in the gym. They're eating their 10 me- meals a week in the gym. And then what are they doing outside? They live together. They hold each other to a certain standard. And guess lo and behold- high intensity function moves for it relatively, high, you know, constantly varied and eat meat, not seeds, little starch. And it's like, it works. It works when you do it. Uh,
2: next one, look people in the eye and use their names. I know you, especially the latter one, using your names is something that I've heard you talk about a lot mm-hmm. um, as being, you know, sort of a shortcut to uh, building a relationship with somebody. Yeah, exactly. You, you Use their names. And I know, um, especially in the gym, you guys have sort of uh, institutionalized, you know, systemize using systemized—that's a yep. better word—systemized uh, how often and where and where it's appropriate to use p- different people's names in, you know, as classes going on.
1: Yep. Yeah, because we know how valuable and yeah. important it is. Um, uh, the, the kind of flip story. Of this I'll give a kind of story. Like I said about the restaurant owner. Um, I, I started doing um martial art, uh, Brazil, um Brazilian jiu jitsu. Yep and i was uh taking classes for the better part of a month and no one ever once said my name and i was really i was kind of into it i bought the whole gi and Mm -hmm. you know had the unlimited membership and i left yeah i was like nobody nobody seems to care no one that's uh, yeah that's exactly what it is using someone's name is saying you care so when you say big guy what's up chief you know how you doing what's up girl like what you're saying is you're just not important enough to remember your name. Right. So as you said, it's a way to build relationships, a way to build trust. What you're doing is every single time you say someone's name, you're putting a little deposit in that person's emotional bank account, which we talked about before on this podcast. Yep. It's hugely valuable. You are more interested in hearing your own name, Patrick, than just about any other name in, in the English language, there's like studies done where they hook people up to neurons and the cascade of like good hormones that come. When I say Patrick, it feels good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does. I keep going. And <laughs> um, it's really important. Yep. Similar to that is um, looking people in the eye. Yep. And what I mean by that is that is a really quick snapshot of, of like use body language to tell people you care. When someone's talking to you, look them in the eye. And what happens there when you do that is you show that you are, use whatever word, sincere, actively, wholeheartedly listening, not just formulating your words Mm -hmm. to create a response while the person's saying something, not waiting to cut them off and say your thing. Look people in the eye and show them that they have your full undivided attention. My wife says this to me all the time. She's like, you didn't even know I was in the gym today, did you? (laughs) It's like Because I'll be like, beat on somebody in a conversation and- She'll come in, you know, sometimes she'll like, even like <laughs> slap me on the shoulder, or slap me on the ass. Yep. And I won't even realize yep. she's there. Because people
2: slap you on the ass all the time. So
1: Yeah, she's, she's like one of <laughs> the benefits of being a gym owner <laughs> <laughs> and coaching the 830 class. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really important. If you use people's names and look people in the eye, it is the beginning of um, building trust and empathy and connection. Those, if you don't have those two things, I think it's gonna be really hard to the point where um, I made the mistake once at a competitor's training camp that we run of I always create the first um, 45 minutes is a is set up if they don't know it they think that they're doing a warm-up slash workout is the purpose of it it's these different stations that they're moving from in these certain small groups and the purpose of it is so I can learn everybody's name all 30 athletes i know everyone's name after the first 45 minutes and i am not good with names i have a bad memory and i'm not smart (laughs) but i can learn 30 names like from strangers um and i have it it's down and the reason i do that i made the mistake once of not doing it for some reason just like the i was like why do we need to do that and in my mind kind of like that seems like we could do such a more productive period of time i couldn't because then what happened is we got so deep into it by lunchtime. Like I'm supposed to know these people and I don't. So now I can't ask them their name. Yeah. And by the afternoon, it's certainly the next day. I can't be like, what was your name again? It's mm-hmm. like, so that whole training camp was like, I don't say it was a wash, but it was so much less optimal than the ones that I take the dedicated time, energy, and resources to invest in learning people's names. Because then if I do that, I can coach you before I know your name. I have a much harder time coaching you. Mm, it's kind of like having a conversation with somebody at a party that you're not quite sure where you know the person from and you know, you don't remember their names and you're trying to have that really cool conversation when you just can't do it as opposed to being like right away realizing "Be like, what was your name again? Patrick. That's right. And I know you from, that's right. We do a podcast together <laughs> and we can now, also, now we have like a real meaningful conversation before yeah. that. It's just yeah. fluff yeah. and nothing. It's like a,
2: a layer of glass between you. Totally. You yeah. can't connect. Um, I don't know, I don't know if I ever knew the coach who you told the story about at a seminar or seminars in the past, about a coach who across the board uh, was is maybe uh, a phenomenal coach, loved being here, loved coaching, yes. but had this little issue where when he would move between athletes he'd yep. sort of like drop his eyes and sort of, you know, go between each. Um, and you recognize it as something that felt like, even though it wasn't, it felt like he was disengaged or he maybe didn't want to be there as much as you knew he did. Um,
1: and it was something that you guys
2: really worked on.
1: Um, so two principles that kind of underline yeah. that thing. Uh, maybe actually, there's a lot more that I, They're just kind of running through my head right now. But the first ones is small things or big things. Yep. So because he was a fantastic coach and a terrific athlete and a great person, like a phenomenal person. Um, it's really easy to kind of brush that off. Yep. You know, he is a good person. He is a good coach. The people love him. Why would I bring up this potentially kind of awkward situation of, hey, you're looking at the floor when you're walking around coaching. Like that's a hard conversation to have. Yep. So small things are big things. Don't let it go. Um, um, the next one, which I'm kind of blanking on right now, but it's a power of... Um, uh, a perception is reality. Mm-hmm. That was the other one. Um, which is, this guy does care a lot about his members. This guy does care a lot about people. He does love coaching. But the perception is, if I'm coaching you, and then when I walk the 10 feet to the next athlete, I drop my head and kind of slump my shoulders and look stare at my feet as I walk to the next person, the perception is not positive. Yeah, I don't want to be here. I'm not excited about this next person, whatever. I don't know what the, the yeah. specifics are, but it's not good. If you change that really simply by like having a conversation with somebody and as you are going to the next person and you're walking that 10 feet, you lock in on them. If they're looking at you or not, you lock in on them. Maybe you're coaching them through a movement and you're trying to look at the specific uh, body parts that you're trying to cue or even better, they see you coming, you lock eyes with them. What a difference in feel and approach. And perception is reality. So they then feel like you are engaged, that you like being there, that you like coaching, that you are a good person. Which by the way, we're all true things about that person. Yeah. But it doesn't come across that way. If it doesn't come across, it doesn't matter what it is. Yep, awesome.
2: Uh, Number five. Follow through on what you say.
1: Okay, so this is another principle-based thing, which is never break promises. It's like, um, it's a, it's inherent in building trust. Yep. Um, follow through on what you say. And again, this is like... Um, um, If you say you're going to give um, the athletes 15 minutes to warm up, you give them 15 minutes to warm up. If you break promise, if you say this workout's three rounds for time, and then you're like, surprise, round number four. (laughs) Like, if you do that once a year, like I get it, like like you're exhausted, and now you want your athletes to go harder. But if you do that consistently, guess what? The athletes start start doing. They just don't believe. Yeah, they just hold back. They don't believe anything you say. So it's the same thing with like our kids. Um, This is one of the, and this is going to be a future podcast for sure but um one of the most important things i have learned period i learned this from my wife i would not be good at this otherwise is following through on your word when you challenge or slash threaten them Mm. when you put an ultimatum from and say listen if you don't stop bugging your sister if you don't come over here right now if you don't put that down right now you're not going to xyz Um, you're not going to be able to watch TV tonight. You're not going to get um, that treat. You're not going to be able to play with your friends. This is, I mean, my wife is incredible with this. <laughs> she actually, we talk about it a lot. She's like, I actually kind of want them not to do it just so I can do it and show them I'm, I'm for real. Yeah. Because holy cow, now, after like a very short period of time, a couple of years, like the challenge is over. Like, because um, I know the way I grew up. I know the way that I've seen other people grow, grow up in the way. And you hear it all the time. Uh, you know, um, Johnny, if you don't do that, we're not going to the movies tonight. Yep. And he doesn't do it, and then you still go to the movies. Like, whoa.
2: Yeah.
1: Why is Johnny gonna listen next time?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My wife, you know, Bodie, if you don't put if you don't stop that with Harley right now, we are not going over to your best friend's house after school tomorrow. And he does it. Guess what? We're not doing tomorrow. Yeah. And it's for real. And when you do that, you when you follow through on your word, because there's two things things that never break a promise. So don't say, kids, we're going to Disney World. And then, don't, and then cancel the trip, break the trust. Yep. And then when you threaten and you say something else, like follow through on that end as well. Man, does it build a lot of trust, probably in the way people aren't thinking of trust, mm. right? Yeah. But that's trust. Yep. That's what it is. I know that what you're saying is truth. Mm-hmm. Trust.
2: Yep. Take it.
1: Welcome feedback
2: and don't be defensive.
1: Okay. Um, when you close... When you're closed to ideas, what you hear is criticism. Mm -hmm. When you hear criticism, what you're open to is advice. Mm -hmm. So that's like a Simon Sinek that I think I I probably butchered. But the Mm -hmm. idea behind that is there is no such thing as bad feedback. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as advice, criticism, um, suggestions, or anything else. It's all the same thing. So when somebody um, gives you feedback, whether it's... um, you know your gym isn't clean. Um I don't like your new CrossFit kids coach. Um you guys don't have enough parking. You guys charge too much. Um you know, I don't like your programming. It's that hurts, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're close to it, you hear criticism. Yep. It's not criticism. If you're open to it, you'd step back away from that and fight against resist against that fight or flight mentality which is going to inherently come at you. Yep. Your cortisol levels are going to rise. You're going to be, you're being challenged. You need to fight this person or run away from. If you resist that urge and just open your mind to, okay, what is this person saying? You know, they're not challenging me. This could be an opportunity. It might be a terrible idea. Terrible ideas sometimes lead to okay ideas, which sometimes lead to good ideas. Basically what they're doing when they um, give you that feedback, even if it's laced with four letter words and, you know, uh, crazy tonality and um, everything else what they're potentially doing there is just dropping something in a suggestion box. You know, I think that it'd be nice if you cleaned the showers um, once a month instead of once every other month. Mm -hmm. Like, that's probably a pretty good suggestion. It would be nice if we had um, soap in the soap things. Like, just resist the urge to hear criticism and realize it's just feedback, which is advice. Mm -hmm. And the smart people are the ones that realize they don't have all the answers, and the more good ideas, scratch that the more ideas that they hear the better off they're going to be yeah and it's up to you to filter the ideas but try not to block them off immediately
2: right uh actually related admit when you don't know something i imagine that you know in the context that you said it before that i'm sort of stealing it from it's something about maybe a coach or an an athlete coming up and asking you for nutrition advice and, and you don't understand it but it feels Pretty related to that idea of, of not being defensive and not taking, uh, not taking something as criticism and, and being able to say, I don't actually have all the answers. Yeah, it's, it's
1: exactly it, and it might and the nutrition thing is perfectly. You yeah. might have a conversation with somebody about like, hey, I think that you know you should try to eat some lower glycemic load foods, and you should um, you know maybe choose some vegetables and fruit instead of um you know, Cheez-Its and uh, Doritos and ice cream. And someone's like, glycemic load? Oh, what's better for me? Um, the glycemic load, what's the lower glycemic load? Peppers or carrots? Like having the, Have you just yeah. saying like, just being like, I don't know. Yeah. That's a great question. Like that's, it builds so much more power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned this when, I was giving a nutrition lecture and uh, my dad was in the audience and I gave a lot of information. You know, I was up there for whatever it was, 45 yep. minutes, an hour. And the question and answer came up and there was a number of questions that came up. And when there were ones that I didn't know, I was like, that's a great question. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, my dad told me after, he's like, when you said that, it built so much more credibility to the things you did said. Yeah. Because what you're saying by default is that you do know the other stuff. Yep. Which is this nice backhanded way of saying like, Hey, if I'm saying it, I know what I'm talking about. Yep. And if I don't, I'm going to tell you I don't. So I think that admitting, you know, it's a showing a level of vulnerability as well. Nobody has all the answers. You're not supposed to have all the answers. If you do have all the answers, you're going to sound like you don't. It's like you don't need to be the expert of experts to be helpful and useful. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is be helpful and useful. All
2: right. Uh, I think we're on number eight. Um Be the first to arrive and the last
1: to leave. Okay. So again, like leading from the front. The idea behind this is be the, you know, I'm going to steal it from Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Like be the hardest worker in the room. Like period. If you want to lead from the front, if you're trying to build a business, you better be the ones working on that business the hardest. If you're taking shortcuts, if people are there longer than you, working harder than you, then they're setting the bar. Shouldn't you be setting the bar higher than where everyone else can achieve? Like, that's the idea is like, give someone else something to strive for. If they're exceeding you, where's it to go? Yep. Like, you gotta be, if you're the leader, you have to be the hardest worker in the room. And this is like, um, you know, um, Ray Dalio calls it like doing the dirty work or something mm-hmm. like that. Or maybe it's Lincioni or somebody has like, which is like, don't be afraid. If you're running an event, don't be afraid to be the guy that's like, Pulling the trash out of yep. the trash cans in the middle of the event, like do the dirty work, be, be vulnerable. Fancy. The New Zealand All Blacks call it um, "sweep the sheds," yep. which is sheds or locker rooms in Australia, <laughs> or sorry, in New Zealand. That's the Kiwis are going to hate me for that one. Uh, <laughs> but they like what they do is the captains, the leaders, are the ones that once everyone else is left, they're the last to leave, and before they leave, they sweep the lock, they clean the locker rooms after everyone else, like do the dirty work, be the hardest worker, do more, do better, everything.
2: Classic. Never complain, never whine, never make excuses. Talked about that a lot.
1: Period. Yeah. I mean, um whining and complaining are contagious diseases. If you do it, you're going to spread it. It's going to go more. People are going to follow your lead. Now, if you want to be a Leader and lead from the front, and you want a thriving community environment. Whether this is um, business or this is the the football locker room or this is um, a military unit, like don't tolerate complaining. It is a disease that will erode everything. And literally, I mean, like we create bracelets. It's mm-hmm. like that we like the easiest way this is the easy way i I crave this because the easiest way to talk about it Mm -hmm. if someone's complaining i don't even say anything anymore i just snap it and they're like oh right gotcha yep Yep. like call it out and there is a there is um someone saying like oh my god it's like complain about the weather and i'll be like i'll be like dude like i'll just snap my wrist and like that's not complaining it's a fact Mm -hmm. it's like what you're doing is you're bringing light to a negative situation. That is complaining. If someone says like you know, um, someone asks you how you're doing today, and you're like, I feel terrible. I feel sick. Like I don't feel good. I didn't sleep last night. My kid was up all night. Like, like you're not helping anyone. <laughs> what you're doing is you're putting your bad vibes on that person next to you. Now I'm not saying don't ever share right. true emotion or anything like that. Like be real, be authentic, but. Be calculated as well, particularly if you're a leader. Yeah. If you're a leader, you can't do that. imagine someone coming up to like the commander of a like nuclear submarine and be like, Commander, how are you today? And be like, Oh man, I wish I didn't have to. I should have snoozed longer this morning and I drank too much last night and oh, this job sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty obvious. Yep. So that's a different tone.
2: Um, Last one, also kind of related uh, smile.
1: Okay, I know. So here's, these are all super simple, right? They're supposed to be simple. Simplicity wins. Um, smile. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, a man um, without a smile should not open shop. Basically, do not have a business unless you know how to smile. Mm-hmm. 7, 38, 55. Some really good numbers for people to remember. 7% of communication is what you say. Mm-hmm. Actually, the actual words that are coming out of your mouth. Seven percent is only that. That's why so much gets lost in text. That's why emojis actually help helpful. Yep. Yep. Um, and emails can be dangerous. There's no tonality to it. Now, uh, 38% of that is tonality. It is inflection in your voice, it is um the volume of your voice, it is what words are you stretching, stressing. 55% of it is just body language. You get more, it's why when you go to a different country, you can get around, you can do things, you can do a lot without speaking the language. Yeah. And you can tell if someone's pissed off at you or if somebody's like really welcoming, you get the, you get over half of the communication without uh, nonverbal. Smiling is the heart of that. Yeah. When you smile, I mean, this goes down to like um, FBI negotiators. One of the first things they're cued on when they're negotiating a hostage release is to smile on the other end of the phone. Mm. Now, there is no body language there. Yep. But they there's so much that resonates from the smile that it's so powerful that they try to smile while they're talking to the person. In an Ironman triathlon, what they tell you to start doing when you start to struggle and everyone's going to struggle is to smile at the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Just smile at them and you'll start to feel better. Hmm. That's interesting. Smiling matters.
2: Yeah, I remember I've heard you talk about it in the context of like somebody answering the phone at the gym, yeah. right? Like the difference between saying, you know, uh, you know, thanks for calling X, Y, Z and doing that with a smile is, you know, night and day.
1: They should be able to, my saying is they should be able to hear the smile yeah. on the other end of the line. Yeah. Yeah. And now imagine and that's on a phone, right. right? Now imagine actually in person. I mean, there's people like, and by the way, this works both ways. When a person walks in the gym, um, and you're like, you know, Hey Bill, what's up? And they're like, like not the much, Ben, how, like, how you doing? Like the, what they say in the tonality don't matter nearly as much as what's going on in their face and their body. And yep. everybody knows that on a, um, on a subconscious level, yeah, no, if you can yeah. bring that to the conscious level, it really brings a lot of power to you yep. in the way you present yourself.
2: Very cool. All right. So that was a bunch of ways to lead from the front in your gym or I imagine in your business. Right? Probably, probably ten, kind of. 10 ways. Yeah. 10 ways. That's right. It's 10 nice. ways. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thanks, sir. Thank you.